0: In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what film for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune part two now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio.
1: Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat-Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing it to you live right here from the video content factory. Our review of the number one film in the country, Spider-Man. Across the Spider-Verse. There it is. And joining us tonight for the review, ladies and gentlemen, is a man who is not only one half of the DTF Fun Hour, which you can find everywhere Great Podcasts Be, he is not only appearing here in Philadelphia at the Punchline Comedy Center on June 30th. And July 1st, he is a man who you will see in the second half of the show is undoubtedly the sexiest comedian in the world. It is Daryl Charles. Daryl Charles, Daryl Charles. Joining us for our review of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Or Spider-Man across the sexy-verse apparently. Yes, yes, indeed. (laughs) Hello to each and every one of you out there in the chat as we are streaming to YouTube and to Facebook. Good evening, one and all. Vincent, how are you doing, my friend? I am fine. I am fine. Moving into June in the summer, feeling good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah things are hopping in, on in your way. Hey, getting yeah. busy. Keep I know, busy, busy. I know. And then you? Uh, I cannot complain. All right, I cannot complain. Right. I could, but no one would care. But no one would care. You're supposed to say but no one would listen and then I'd go, Huh? See that's see <laughs> ah, you're you you supposed to set the but you <laughs> said you're gonna do your joke anyway. You do it anyway. <laughs> I, I could do it myself. Just carry the whole thing. I did see the flash this weekend. Okay. You know, I went to a premiere premiere of the flash, um, probably the other superhero movie. Sure. Coming sure, out sure. uh this summer. Sure. Uh, definitely fill me with member berries. All right. You so, know, so you s- enjoyed it. People seem to enjoy it around me. People seem to enjoy it. So, People seem to. So then, you know, I, there, there was a laugh go. or two. There I you shuffled. go. There's right, could, should we that is our official Michelle mission yeah. review. People seem to enjoy it. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. But we've got a packed show. Beefy. It is very, it it is, it is, it it is beefy. Yeah, oh yeah. It is very beefy. And that was before Daryl got here. That was before Daryl got here. But to show you how beefy it is, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to lead off with missives from the missionaries. So, what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Ooh. Misses from the missionaries, ladies and gentlemen, where I usually would be reading the latest emails that we've received from all of the missionaries. Uh, and we do have more than a few, but because we're so packed this today, we're going to hold off on them for another night. Yet we do have one missive for you, Vincent. Oh, what type of missive is that? I'm glad you asked. Sorry. Because we have... For the first time in a long time but certainly not the last time Mm -hmm. we have a michelle mission voicemail
2: oh it's a voicemail roll that sexy footage hey Vincent and lynn this is calvin i was calling i figured i'd throw leonard a bone and leave a voicemail as opposed to writing an email so i was calling about your recent review of the cherokee kid one i have to say i have to admit that i've always had a bit of a soft spot for sinbag i remember um, he was the reason why I was watching Star Search back in the day. He kind of intrigued me. I kind of followed him throughout and was surprised when he popped back up later on after leaving the show. Um, I was I was particularly intrigued by Leonard's take on kind of why he never really, like, was able to get over the hump um, stardom-wise um, with his size being a barrier. And it sparked a couple of questions for me. Um, One, I have to say I, I, I really enjoyed the review, and I, I – Admit that I enjoyed the Cherokee hit myself, so I'm glad you all recommended it to other people. But, again, my question is, one, if the two of you were tasked with getting Sinbad over the hump at that time, how would you have done it? And, two, seeing as I also agree that one of the times that he shines, he shines the most was when he started opposite uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Jingle All The Way, if you were to build a franchise around the two of them, what would it be? I look forward to hearing your responses. Enjoy the show as always. Take care. Interesting. How would we get Sinbad
1: over? Thank you very much for the voicemail, Calvin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Calvin. Um, That's an interesting question. The first thing that comes to my mind, and I don't know if he would have gone for this because it might have um, stereotyped him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of... And around that same time, you had comedians who were trying to make it in on Saturday morning. Okay, remember Richard Pryor? Yeah, yeah, Pryor's Place at Pryor's Place. Mm-hmm. Pee Wee Herman actually had Pee-wee a success. Herm- yeah, yeah, Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about Sinbad. You know, he's tall, he's mm-hmm. big. He was. Known at least for some time, I think didn't he wear like the clothes he wore like I think like his sister made he had that like a I don't know who, who made him but somebody made him yeah, yeah he had like these big bright colors right, that he right, would wear right, right um I wonder if there might have been a space for him especially since now at the time at now there would have been four networks as opposed to just the three mm-hmm. um and also cable. I wonder if there might have been a space for him to do something on Saturday morning Mm -hmm. um, to allow him to kind of like just be very, just as PG as he wants to be. Maybe maybe a little bit more on the G side, Um, but you know, maybe find a lane there. I I have similar thoughts. I, I think when when I think about Sinbad. In a continuing space, I of course go to a different world mm-hmm. where he played sort of a, a mentor role, and and the, the the aspect of of his character on different world that I enjoyed was him interacting with Kadeem Hardison, with Daryl Bell, with some of the men on the set. So that I would like to see, much like you, something similar to that, mm. where where he can kind of use his energy. And and use his size, which kind of lends itself to a mentor role. I would even go so far as to say because we talked about just the, the 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 sort of physical challenges that came with having him on a screen, yeah, with you know other people, right, right. I was sitting here thinking I would not mind, uh, like like almost a riff of the White Shadow. You know, as you were Where saying he played that a basketball coach, as you were saying that, I actually was thinking about the White Shadow. Yeah, that. Um, and for those that don't know, cause this was like a late seventies, eighties yeah. series yeah. Uh, that starred a white actor, Ken Ken Reeves, Ken Howard. Oh, Ken Howard, you're Ken right, Howard. Ken Howard, mm-hmm. um, who was a former pro basketball player mm-hmm. who then goes to become a high school basketball coach yes. in the inner city. Yes. Um, and it was a it was a it was a good show. Salt. My wife is a big fan of it. The was White a good Shadow. show. I had yeah. a solid run. Yeah, Kevin um, Hooks. Yeah, Kevin Hooks got mm-hmm. his, Kevin Hooks his start there. And not a start, but he definitely he, he yeah. was a big mm-hmm. the big name there. Um, and I actually was thinking about the the White Shadow when you said that. Mm-hmm. My only concern about that is that Ken Howard did become a nuanced actor yeah but not on the white shadow but he wasn't he wasn't a bad actor i think sinbad could could handle i don't know you think he could handle handle the white shadow because the white shadow was still like it was it was it was drama i'm gonna say to you the same thing that you say to me when's the last time you watched the white shadow (laughs) since the 80s yeah it's you know it's solid but it's not Hill Street Blues. No, no, of course, right. no. I know it's not Hill yeah. Street Blues. But I'm just saying. Yeah, send back and handle Ken Howard's part. You think he could? I 100 think he could. Okay, all right. Yeah, because again, I think by the end of his tenure on Different World, mm-hmm. he was solid. Okay, like I actually wish he had never left. Right, because he doesn't make it to the end. He doesn't right? make it to the end. Mm-mm. Hmm. Does he leave? He leaves. Like on like as far as you know did he leave on his own I don't board? know why he left the show okay I don't I I would assume he had some other opportunities because you know Sinbad was he started of, doing something like he was popping for a second yeah but but by the end he was a solid ensemble player that's true to Calvin's other question mm-hmm. do you think there m- would have been a future for Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger in movies as a team I think that is a very obvious yes, because I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, A, is, when given the opportunity, surprisingly collaborative. Mm-hmm. B, is funny. Mm-hmm. C, going back to what we talked about, the challenge of of having Sinbad on screen just physically. Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger is big enough, physically big enough, mm-hmm. and personality big enough, that it's in, in much like in... um. Jingle, jingle all, the jingle all the way. way. They played nicely off each other, so I think it worked. Yeah, I think it could work. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it might be a one trick pony as far as as far as the two of them together. Like, I, I agree with everything you said right. about Arnold, and yes, I do think that they are good in Jingle yeah. All the Way, but I think that maybe you pull it for another movie, and then I don't think you. It's damning it with faint praise, and I'm. Backhandedly agreeing with you because I don't like their pairing, but uh, apparently people people seem to enjoy it. What do you mean, The the Rock and Kevin Hart? People seem to enjoy The Rock and Kevin Hart. Oh, okay. And I feel like the two of them could have that kind of energy for like three films. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. So you're saying like Arnold Arnold and Sinbad could do at least what The Rock and Kevin Hart have done, which people seem to enjoy. Fair enough. Yeah fair enough all right well, all right. right well there you go calvin there you go calvin thank you for the voicemail yeah. Really appreciate it and i know simbad has had some health issues i actually think i think there's a version of the white shadow that they could do right now if his health got up to speed he's, he's a little older now yeah mm-hmm. well maybe, maybe calm his big ass down some. Well, I mean, Is that insensitive? Yeah, I, I bet. That's a insensitive. Uh, considering the health issues yes, he's health had, issue. it's pretty. thought all that joking around he used to do in the 90s. Yeah, I caught up with him. Like, okay, see, you're worse than me. Oh, am I worse than all you? All right. You said calm his big ass down. God bless you, Sinbad. Oh, you can't save it with God bless you, Sinbad. You can save <laughs> most things with God bless you, Sinbad. Yeah, you hope. <laughs> see you at the pearly gates. Thank you, Calvin. Uh, thank you, Calvin. Thank you. Appreciate you, brother. Alright, let's keep it moving, ladies and gentlemen. We're, just, we're gonna keep this train moving. It's time for the top five.
0: Top five. Who's your top five? My top five is my top five is top five, my
1: top five is Ladies and gentlemen, top five, top where I come up with a top five list and I give it to Vince to give a commentary on keeping it in theme as we are reviewing Spider-Man mm-hmm. across the Spider-Verse, which features the Spider-Man that a lot of people know, but some of you may not know, to be fair, if you don't follow comic books like that, mm-hmm. if you don't follow the comic book movies, you may not be aware that there is indeed a now long-established Second Spider-Man, who has the real identity of Miles Morales. Yes, who is a young African slash Puerto Rican young young man Mm -hmm. in the role of Spider-Man. And we're not going to go deep into his backstory. Ask your favorite comic book collector; they know all about him. Or ask any young person under the age of twenties. I mean, well, I guess we'll talk about it. It's sort of fascinating. The, we're, call, yeah. we're calling him the second Spider-Man. I think you're showing your age a little bit. Because for some people, he's their Spider-Man. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, because he has been around that long now. Yeah, Is it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So real quick, and then we'll get to it. One, one of my favorite memories was taking my nephew into a comic shop maybe 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was staring at, at a statue kind of action figure, and he was staring at it. And I was like, "What?" did He's like, "Wow, I didn't know there was a white Green Lantern." I'm glad you said that. That's mm-hmm. it, and that's because, for though pe- people don't know, because for a long time, the Green Lantern, who was his- historically a white character, yes, it was when he absolutely. started off, but in the 70s, there was a black Green Lantern that was created, John Stewart, mm-hmm. who would have middling fame in the 70s and 80s, but in the, I guess, late 90s, 90s and yeah, 2000s really took off because he was the designated Green Lantern on the Justice League cartoon. Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, um, which was a a historically um, acclaimed uh, animated series that you can actually, is streaming now. Um, Ran for years. Ran for years on Cartoon Network. For some people, it is the best iteration of a lot of these superheroes. Uh, live action or, or animated form. Um, and for a lot of people, growing up on that series, their Green Lantern was a black man. Look, comic books are a, are still a niche cop. Mm-hmm. Um, hobby. Yes. Cartoons are on TV. That's right. So, who, who's the real one? And constantly running. Right. To that point, to that point, tonight's top five are mm-hmm. top five superheroes gone black. Okay. So these are superheroes who at one time were white, Mm -hmm. but for many people now, and you be the judge, their better iteration or more popular iteration is black. Wow. And you got five of them. I got five. All right. Now I'm not saying all of them necessarily are better. You will be the judge. I will be the judge. But I will start with number five. You know what? It's funny you hit the gavel because I was just telling someone, it's like, yeah, we used to have a gavel here at my house on the show, but then we moved it into the um, YouTube mm-hmm. and we put it on the desk. Mm-hmm. Benson has yet to use it, but I know one day well, he's just going to reach down and use it's it. It's so far away. See, you used to be right by me. I know. But now, okay, but you said you'd be the judge and that made me go, all right. So you right. so that's Oh. Right. Here we go. Number five. Number five. This is Dr. Midnight. Dr. Midnight. A.k.a. Beth Chapel. Yes. From the Stargirl series. Yes. That was on the CW yes. and also on HBO Max. Absolutely. Um uh, Beth Chapel, who was played by Angelica Washington, yeah. is a main character in Stargirl. She's a brilliant student at Blue Valley High, whose intellectual nature made her a bit of an outcast among her peers, Sure, sure. but she formed an unlikely friendship with Courtney Whitmer, Girl, Yolanda Montez, and Rick Tyler, as they worked together to stop the villains of the past, aided by the artificial intelligence of... Of the golden age JSA member, Charles McKnighter, the blind white doctor mm-hmm. who was the original Dr. Midnight, Dr. Midnight. All right. Beth works with her friends to continue the legacy of the Justice Society of America as the new super, super heroine, Dr. Midnight. Now, I don't know if you were ever a fan of Stargirl, um, I watched like the first two seasons mm-hmm. and then I realized that this is a show that's not for me. Sure. But sure. I did recognize the quality of it. Okay. And the reason why I kept going back and back to that show was mm-hmm. it was a cute show. It was a fun show. But I actually just fell in love with Angelica Washington's performance of Beth Chapel, aka. Dr. Midnight. Okay. Because she was a super intelligent young lady um who who recognized that she was an outcast to everybody else in the school, but it did not stop her from being very outgoing, very um very uh curious, very uh very brave um putting her foot forward um, recognizing her intelligence, uh, working to the 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 height of her intelligence, and actually as the series went along, finding herself very naturally and not just for plot contrivance, falling into a romance with one of the characters, aka Rick Tyler, uh, our man. And I, I, I from the moment I saw her, I said, "Wow, she is really doing great work." I and Doctor Midnight, in the comics, you know, when he was originated back in the forties, was pretty much just a you know run in the mill vigilante, mm-hmm. except that he was blind. Right. So and he came up with these goggles that allowed him to see in the dark. Um, and I guess it was some kind of cool concept to him, but more more often than not, he was just played off as like just just another one of the vigilantes. Mm-hmm. And even as the Justice Society, who I love have returned over the years and Dr. Midnight has kind of like been one of the ones that returned. They really haven't done much with the character. Honestly, the most, the most they did with the character is when they changed him again in the nineties for another white guy. And he started having a relationship with Black Canary. And even that wasn't much. They did at one time make him, I think they made him a woman again uh, at some time. Yeah. That's where she comes from. Well, she originally in the in In the comics comics. in the comics, but here she's a younger girl. Right here, she's a young girl. But I never. But when they made her a a black woman in the Mm -hmm. comics, and they they just called her Midnight. Like I don't think they they at least I remember they just called her Midnight. They got away to the doctor stuff, and they kind of like put her more in tights as opposed to like because she always had more of like a a, like a a a jacket and cape type of thing. It just didn't. I just didn't buy it. I just didn't buy it. This, I buy. This, right. I like. All right. And I think this is the best iteration of document. All right. What do you say? Sure. We gotta get the guy. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. All right. Number four. Number four. This is Aqualad. Aqualad. Aqualad, who historically, mm-hmm. white guy. Was a white guy, was yeah, a white, yeah, white kid, guy. was a white sidekick mm-hmm. of Aquaman mm-hmm. from the, the, the character from the forties and, and then would go on to live in filmation animation sure. as the sidekick on the Aquaman. short. Sure, sure, sure. And sure. as, since he was the sidekick, he was also the, uh, part of the Teen Titans yeah. cartoon mm-hmm. series in the sixties as well. One of the harder Mago action figures to find. Is he really? Because of the gloves. Is, they, yeah, they, they, they get lost. Yeah. Do you have an Aqualad? I don't. No? I'm not really a Mego person. I just know. You no, know it's a hard right, one. Right, it's a hard one to find. For Young Justice, mm-hmm. which is another great animated DC series. You should check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Um, That proposed to do kind of like a reworking of the the sidekicks as a team in the DC universe they totally remade the Aqualad character to a character named Call, uh, Call Duran um, mm-hmm. uh, voiced by Carrie Payton, a, a, a noted voice actor. Uh, he was a, a rich, he was an original character and protege of Aquaman with the same powers to be able to breathe underwater. But he also had this hydrokinesis, which was the ability to, create like like dense water weapons and stuff like that. He was actually, as opposed to historically in Teen Titans where Robin, because his association with Batman was the lead, Aqualad in Young Justice was older than Robin. And mm-hmm. thus he was the leader of the team. Um, and he proved to be the more natural leader of the team. They actually developed his character greatly over the four seasons. Um, He would go on in the third season to actually mature, to become actual Aquaman Mm -hmm. in the Justice League. Uh, And he was also revealed just as a sign of the times to be a bisexual uh, man um, who... Lived uh, a, a bisexual lifestyle in the in the final season you saw there on on screen, a fully formed character um, that in four seasons, they did more growth with this Aqualad on Young Justice than they did with the original Aqualad in, what, 50 years? Oh, yeah. Of comics? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if you thought Aquaman was a joke in the comics, ladies and gentlemen, Aqualad was the punchline that they threw away. Right. So I, I would say that Aqualad, the black Aqualad, for a lot of people, became the Aqualad, so much so that they retro retrofit him into the comics because of how popular he was on Young Justice. Absolutely. And, and again, much like everyone we've talked about, since this is the one that most people know from mass media, mm-hmm. this is the one. He's the one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I got to do the gap. All right. There you go. All right. All right. All right. I approve. This next one might be controversial. Okay. Okay. Because I do believe that this may prove to be the better iteration. Okay. Time will tell. Time will tell. And that is Sam Wilson. Oh. As Captain as America. Captain America. Now, Sam yeah, Wilson, yeah, yeah, who historically in the comics was the Falcon. Was the Falcon, yeah. Um, But in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he starts as the Falcon, portrayed by Anthony Mackie. Mm-hmm. Um, he would be the sidekick, as in the comics, of Steve Rogers, mm-hmm. Captain America. Of course, Steve Rogers, the Captain America of old from World War II. Sure, sure. He has planted into, into today's time, uh, who has since, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, at least apparently retired as Captain America. I, we can't say that he's died, but sure, he's retired sure, as sure, Captain America. Sure. And the mantle has been passed on to. The Falcon, mm-hmm. who um officially kind of like embraces the mantle in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier yeah. uh Disney Plus series, and now will be the star of the new Captain America movie, Captain America, New World Order. Right. Time will tell whether or not he will be a better Captain America and prove to be everybody's Captain America. It's probably safe to say that he may not be everybody's Captain America sure. just yet. But he becomes, the character becomes Captain America in the comic books for a significant run. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. And a significantly popular run, even yeah, though oh I, yeah. I only dipped in and out of it. But from what I see, it, it read pretty well and it was solid. Pr- solid. People seem to embrace it. Right. And I think because of the years and years of Captain America stories, much like with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, any of your long running stories, they tend to start kind of like recycling the same type sure. of it. Sure. Right. Um, the idea of Sam Wilson, a black man, yeah, representing Captain America and the different types of stories exactly. that can be pulled from there, they kind they definitely play with it in the comics. And I think they start to lean mm-hmm. on it a little bit with Falcon and Awareness Soldier. And I think that they're going to go there with um, New World Order mm-hmm. um, because we've even talked about it. It's interesting how quickly the Captain America, Steve Rogers movies, as much as we enjoyed them, quickly they become Avengers movies. Right. Almost. Right. Right. And- Sam Wilson's Captain America, I think offers really the first opportunity since really the first Captain America movie mm-hmm. for it to really be a Captain America movie that feels wholly different than anything else in a Marvel cinematic Yeah. Universe. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's actually similar to something I'm going to say in the review. I think the tension between the concept mm-hmm. of Captain America and race yes in this case blackness really as you said affords some different narrative um potential mm-hmm. than you have yeah with with sort of you know a, a tall blonde hair blue eyed white man exactly. representing america like exactly. there's like there's no tension there like everybody mm-hmm. is always on board with that and like you said i thought one of the very smart things about a series that I think was smart, was them leaning into that. Yeah. Like, who gets to be patriotic? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm supposed to hit the Yeah. All right. All right. I'm All three right. for three. Three for three. Okay. All right. Number two. Number two. Is a no-brainer. All right. And that would be? That would be Nick Fury. Nick Fury? Yeah. Nick Fury historically, for those who don't know, believe it or not, was a white man. Yeah. A white man who was uh, a soldier in World War II. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, who then through the miracle of whiteness, lasts forever. Comics. Yeah, comics. It's comic stuff. He, he becomes it's like formula. the it, it, that's what it was, mm-hmm. right? That Because it, because it couldn't be the super soldier. No, 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 right, right. It's something else. It, yeah, it's, it's something else. Some other, formula. some other juice and berries. Right, right, right. Junk that he, you know, it's funny how radioactivity works on white people. Right, right. Um, so, it, so it makes him long-lived mm-hmm. and becomes like the super soldier leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. In the ultimate comic book universe from the, Jesus, now 90s, that I think. Yeah, about it. mm-hmm uh because they were kind of like which was this opportunity for Marvel to kind of like remake the Marvel universe for like the 21st century mm-hmm. audience um in like a separate imprint they decided that their Nick Fury in that universe was going to be fashioned after Samuel Jackson right and that's pretty much the face that they drew For Samuel Jackson in that universe, which proved to be so popular that it is that iteration of Nick Fury, that iteration of the Avengers, um, that more or less is what you see in the Marvel Cinematic universe. Right, right. Um, And then they retrofit, of course, course. Nick Fury into the comics. Yeah. So that Nick Fury is a black man in the comics. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 sort of it's sort of a version of the 007 issue that they're having now that this sort of white man as the super spy Mm -hmm. seems old fashioned. Yeah. And they figured out a way now, appropriately enough following captain America, you know, it ended up being Nick Fury because Mark Miller, who was, who created black Nick Fury, apparently when, no, not apparently when he came up, when they were, you know, as you said, doing these new versions Mm -hmm. of these old characters, Apparently, he floated Captain America being black. Oh, because did he? much like the truth, his theory was if the United States was experimenting on these soldiers, mm-hmm. they would have experimented on a black man first. First, right? And so, to him, he thought Captain America could have been a black man. Marvel said that you know, okay, that you go a little bit it's too little far with get that. You Nick, right? Well, no. He oh, said, so, well, since I can't do Captain America, America. So then he went with Nick. Right. Because he thought black people in the military should be represented. And that's how you get Nick Fury. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't know that in, entire backstory. Right. Oh, that's cool. Now, oh. it was Mark Miller telling the story. And Mark Miller, Tends much like to, Stan Lee. Yeah. You know. He's never met a hype that he couldn't. I, I say, is a pinch of salt, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, but, but but yeah, but Nick I would th- I think Nick Fury has the Samuel Jackson black Nick well, Fury. Like if Nick Fury is is a black man now, for all intents and purposes. And and again, I think if you ask a person on the street, like if if this sort of niche kind of hobby that we've like, we think about Nick Fury and Jim Steranko and. All the great depictions of Nick Fury mm-hmm. in the comics, and there's maybe, maybe hundreds of thousands of us. Like, if I'm concerned, you know, if I like, if I give you the greatest benefit of the doubt, there's and less maybe, every day. There's like a hundred thousand of us. It's millions of people who, when they think of Nick Fury, they think of Samuel, Samuel Jackson. Jackson and so he's a black man. All right, and number one is, of course, number one is, of course. I'll let you say it. Oh, of course, it's John Stewart. You're wrong. It's not John Stewart. How is John Stewart not on the list? One, because I wanted to zag. I wanted to zag. It's not a zag if it's not
2: accurate. Well, hear me
1: out. Oh, hear for me out. Sake. All right, I'm just sorry. Okay, hear go. me out. Hear me out. Go ahead. One, we've already extolled the virtues of John Stewart. We just did it, and John Stewart. Look, and John Stewart should be black. But the the, the shame of it is as much as. People like your nephew. You're like, oh my did, God, didn't know like you know Green Lantern. You know was white. You know misconstrue that. DC is not going. Well, seemingly is not going to let they're Green Lantern. Let that, yeah. They're not going to let it go of Hal Jordan. All right? right. Now there's talk that there might with this Green Lantern series that they say is in production. All right. You know, it's minute. So as long as they're not going to let go of it, we. We're just, we're still living on Justice League All right. dreams. All right. This is real comic This is a real comic y episode. Who's number one? Number one is the only time that a superhero was black and went black. And that would be your favorite hero. Okay. When from the comics, Black Lightning became Black Vulcan <laughs> on the Super Friends. Boy, this, you are really doing. This is a real deeply comic episode, but it's based on movies and TV. It's based on movies and TV. You want to tell the story? I will tell the story. Black Lightning becomes Black Vulcan. Now, Black Vulcan, ladies and gentlemen, is an African-American superhero Mm -hmm. on the animated series, The Super Friends. Yes. Produced by Mm Hanna-Barbera, voiced by one Buster Jones. Mm -hmm. Black Vulcan debuted in September of 1977, unlike most of The Super Friends. Black Vulcan was not a pre existing DC Comics character. Right. Technically. This is particularly notable because DC's roster did include an African American superhero with electricity based powers, much like Black Vulcan, who was named Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. Black Lightning could not be used on the Super Friends. Due to a dispute between DC and Black Lightning's creator, Tony Isabella. Right. And the dispute was Tony Isabella actually owned part of the ownership of Black Lightning. Right. And unlike the creators of all of the other characters, DC hadn't screwed him out of his rights. Exactly. With, with with the contracts. So the dispute was DC just didn't want to pay him. Exactly. If, if Black Lightning was used on the show DC would have had to cut their t- split the, whatever licensing fee right. they got for Black Lightning with Tony Isabella. Right. And DC wasn't having DC it. DC wasn't going to do that. So what they did was they created Black Vulcan <laughs> in in retaliation um, for uh, not using not you know because sure. they didn't want to use Black Lightning. Not cool, DC. Not cool at Not all, cool. DC. Um, black Vulcan, who was a horrible looking character. He was horrible. He had no pants. He had no pants. Like, the people of color didn't have pants. He had no pants. His, um... It's like him, Samurai, and, um, El, um... El Diablo. El Diablo. Yeah, that's one. The superhero... It was the minority superheroes, and none of them had pants. The, none of them had pants. They were all very, very just, it, it, it was not good. All right, it's not good stuff. Do you remember what Black Vulcan's catchphrase was? Didn't he just yell out Black Vulcan? No. His catchphrase was great lightning. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you know what Tony Isabella tried to kind of like do to kind of like, you know, his little subtle commentary on this. I did not. In Black Lightning number 10, the actual comic book around the time, he wrote a story called The Other Black Lightning. Okay. Where um the, he fought a, crim- a criminal named Barbara Hanna. Oh. <laughs> subtle. A riff on Anna Barbera. Yeah. And uh, who had a circus where they hired a Black Lightning imposter named Jocko. (laughs) At the end of the episode, Black Lightning and Jocko make up, and Black Lightning uh, believes that Jocko could strike out on his own, that is, if he stops imitating him. Uh, But Tony Isabella says, unfortunately, I don't think anybody noticed what I was doing, and he didn't hear anything about it. So that's my zag. That's your zag. And when a black superhero actually went black. All right. You don't get a gavel for that. I don't get a gavel for that. A gavel for that. That's, that's that. a good zag. No gavel. You know what? I'll give you that. I have to have the integrity of the gavel. I'll give you that. The only the only reason why you I don't deserve the gavel mm-hmm. is because there actually has been a black lightning series TV series. Yes. If there hadn't been a black lightning TV series, some people might not never know of Black Lightning. They might only know Black Balkan. They might only know Black Balkan, and now they know the rest of the story. No. And no one is half the battle. The other half is laser beams and violence. <laughs> All right, let's keep All it right. moving. Let's Even keep it moving. Robust. Robust. It is time for Six Degrees of Derville Martin. <laughs> Degrees of Durville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent two actors, and he has to connect with them in six movies or less, to the original Black Lightning. <laughs> Durville Martin. Durville Martin. That is Negro Electricity. He's electric. Boogie, boogie, boogie. That's right. All right. All right. Are you ready, Vincent? All right. Is it thematic? It is thematic. All right. Because without using Mm -hmm. their most recent film, I'm going to use the stars of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Who we got? So starting with... With? Shamik Moore. Shamik Moore? How do you get to Shamik Moore? Well, this is how you get to Shamik Moore. Dervil Martin. hmm Is in. I don't want to get to Shamik more. Okay. derville Martin is five on the black, is in five on the black hand side with Dick Anthony Williams, who is in. Mo' Better Blues with Samuel Jackson, who is in the Shaft remake with Jeffrey Wright, who is in The Batman with Zoe Kravitz, who Mm -hmm. was in Dope with Shamik Moore. I forgot Zoe Kravitz was in Dope. Mm -hmm. She is in Dope. With Shamik Moore. With Shamik Moore. Yeah. Very good, Vincent. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to go to Dope. I just didn't know you were going to go through. I don't know what other movie he's in besides Dope. He's in Joyful Noise. Oh. Is he? Yeah. That's the Dolly Parton, Queen Latifah Yeah. I did not know he was in that. Yeah. Um. Huh. And, uh. Oh, man. That's good. That's good. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. All very, right, good very good, Vincent. All right. Um. Speaking of five on the black hand side, five on the black hand side, there ladies and gentlemen, marketing. We are going to be doing and hosting a live screening yes. and doing a live podcast of five on the black hand side on Wednesday, July nineteenth at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute, at seven p.m. Tickets are on sale now. You can find links on our website, or even if you're checking us out on Twitter or on Instagram, it's up there in the. Uh, the link tree. You can find links because tickets are on sale now. We are going to be streaming. It's a Durville summer. Yeah. It's, it's a Durville summer. It's not just an integral, an integral part of our freak show every week. No, it's not. It is not. And it's, it's a, great a great movie. movie. You will actually it really love is. it, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Time. We're, we're going to have a good, good time. time. Very good time. All right. All right, Vincent. All right, so who else we got? Next we have Uh uh-huh. that was Miles Morales. That was Miles Morales. So that means that we have to go next to. Gwen Stacy. When oh boy! So in six movies or less, Vincent connect Durville Martin to one Haley Steinfeld. Right? Yeah. Here's the problem. I don't know anything she's in at all. Oh wow! She's in one of my uh favorite movie. Well, okay. Spider Man not Withstanding. Spider Man not What's your favorite movie with her? She is in one of my favorite movies of the last. four doubt. It's got to be over. 10 years oh what would that be um you don't know any movie that she's been in i'm sure she's been in something and i didn't notice her yeah she was actually in a couple movies that that, yeah what's your favorite movie that she was in uh true grit the remake of true grit Mm mm-hmm who is that's not tom hanks no Who's a big guy in, in True Grit? I can't tell you, Vincent. You gotta figure that out. How can I, I, I figure it if I don't know it? Well, and then you have to choose another movie. Well, give me another movie then, because I don't know who's in... Why are you watching a remake of True Grit? It's a good movie. Is it? Have you seen it? I haven't, but just, you know. All right, go ahead. Uh, it's the movie that really where she got to start. All right, what else? She, she was nominated in? for an Oscar. Sure, why not? What else is she in? That one's so manly. Yeah. Um... <laughs> She was in... Um, Some old white guy said she was really good in it. You can't trust old white guys. Who can you trust? She was good in it. I know. She was nominated for an Oscar. You, no, because I saw it. Go oh, so ahead. Just tell good. me. Give me something else. Uh, now I'm going to give you something hard. Um, I was going to give you an easy one. Mm-hmm. She was in... That no, was just a cameo. Uh, she was in Bumblebee. What is Bumblebee? Yeah, because you talk smack. She was in Bumblebee. Oh, so it's now I'm picking an obscure movie that you've never it's heard not of. It's obscure movie. Bumblebee? Bumblebee? Yeah, it was a Transformers movie. Oh. <laughs> so it ain't obscure. Oh, Transformers movie. Mm, yeah, but it's Bumblebee, so it's not Transformers. All right. All right. So do you know who else was in Bumblebee? I, I, it, Optimus Prime is in it, right? Uh, I don't think so, actually. It's been a while since I seen it. I don't believe I don't believe Optimus was in there. Uh no. No. Mm-mm. No. No. Thought you thought you were gonna get over. Oh no, he is. Okay. And the same dude who's been voicing Optimus Prime voices Optimus Prime. Right? If you don't give me his name, that ain't gonna count. Really? Yeah, come on talk would... smack. You wanna talk smack? Well then we just sit here forever then. What's the guy? What's the guy's name who voices Optimus Prime? Peter Cullen, and and it's been him. Yes, like since the cartoon, right? Yes. Okay, there you go. Derville Martin, and this will be this is going to be nice. Derville Martin is of course in, um,
2: <clears throat>
1: hell up in Harlem with Fred Williamson. Okay, Fred Williamson. Is in Through the Hard Way with Jim Brown. Okay. Jim Brown is in, let me see. I don't think I'll run out. Right, so I'm just going to hit it. Jim Brown is in Um, Hit with Donald Sutherland. Yes. Donald Sutherland is in the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Leonard Nimoy. Yes. Leonard Nimoy is in Transformers, the animated movie, with Peter Cullen. Peter Cullen is in Bumblebee with Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I could should ding you
0: because
1: the movie's not called the hit; it's called the split. The split, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to ding you. Mm-hmm. But okay, because you like how I jumped from Peter Cullen. You like that Peter Cullen. I gave you Peter Cullen. I I mean, I knew who he was. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know the guy who voiced Optimus Prime. The guy who's made his career out of voicing Optimus Prime. You should have known her co stars in True Grit Clint Eastwood and Matt Damon. Yeah, see, old grumpy Clint Eastwood. No, oh, not Clint Eastwood, not Clint Eastwood. Oh, so you only know we, you're I'm, mixing up your old white guys. Oh no, not Lynn mixing up his old white guys. Whatever shall we do? It's not a Clinton Eastwood. It's not a Clint Eastwood. It's um uh uh oh don't tell me. Um I'm gonna go Jeff speak. Bridges. Oh there you go. It's Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Playing a John Wayne role. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Boy, how could I have sat that one out? It's a good movie. That's what I you hear. You like westerns. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's <laughs> better than the original. Oh, yeah. Because the original sucks. The original is John Wayne. Really? You don't like True Grit? Well, first of all, I can't watch any John Wayne movies anymore. Okay. Because I've learned a lot of just because of who he is. Yes. But True Grit is good though. <laughs> no. Like I don't really. Ro- Obviously, I don't rock with John Wayne. But I like True Grit. No, I. No, I just, but it's good. Uh, uh, All crazy. right. I don't think this is better. You should see it, Vincent, before you say it Just Bridges a better actor than John. Did Wayne Did they dig up John Ford to direct it? Okay, no. It's okay, but it's still. Like, I don't believe. I don't believe you got me over here defending John Ford and John Wayne, but you know, right is right. Well, I'll defend John Ford. He's a yeah, great, like right director. is right. Like who directed this? The Com brothers. Oh, now that's interesting. Okay, now I'm intrigued. Hmm. See? You should have led with that. Well, I didn't. I, 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 I led when it was good. It wasn't enough that I said it was good. No, 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 no. no. And you didn't know was He was nominated for an Academy Award. She was nominated. She was no. She was good at it. Right. She was a very young girl in that movie. True <laughs> Grat the Remake is a good movie. So saith Lynn was nominated for for Academy Award. All right. All right. Real quick. Let's try and make this real quick. <laughs> we went to Bartram High School this week. Last right. Last week. Uh, correct. Uh, for like, you know, just talking about the podcast, talking mm-hmm. about podcast. We had a great time. We did. We uh, did. Thank uh, you for inviting us. Thank you. Shout out to Bartram High School. Right. A lot of kids. And we played Six Degrees of Durville Martin there. Yes, for the kids, and, and Vince wowed them like he wowed everybody. Right, Everyone. right, right, right. But then one of the students put me the task. She said, "Well, you're just standing there giving him the actors. You're just standing there giving. Why don't you participate? Why don't you participate? Right. So she challenged me. To she s- did the six degrees at the real Martin. Yeah, I did it. You, you, you did. I did. You I did. I stumbled a little. Well, bit. you know, because she because. Hey, look, I stumbled a little bit, uh, but I felt some kind of way. Yeah. I felt seen. Yeah. I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. So give me one. Give you one? Yeah, give me one. <sighs> Let, me see. Let me give you one real quick. Let's see. All right, here's one for you, Lynn. Six moves or less, you connect Durville Martin to Doris Day. Doris Day? Doris Day. Okay, uh, how do I want to get to Doris Day? Mm-hmm. It's old-timey. Very old-timey. Doris Day, I got to think of her movies. Okay, got two. Got an actor, connect them to, it's six movies the left, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Derville Martin mm-hmm. is in How Doris Day, Doris Day. It's not as hard as it seems. Oh, Derville Martin is in. Guess who's coming to dinner with Sydney Portier? Mm-hmm. Sydney Portier is in. Um, Sydney Portier is in. Whew, where I want to go, mm-hmm. I know. It's, uh, sorry, I need to get there. Mm-hmm. I need to get to him. What's some help? No, okay. I don't want any help. Sydney Portier is in the Defiant Ones mm-hmm. with Tony Curtis. Yep, yes, he is. Tony Curtis is in. I need to get to him. Tony Curtis is in. Okay, Tony Curtis is in the Great Race with Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon is in. Oh, what was the movie? What was the movie with? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shites, that's the wrong white guy. Jack Lemon is in. Don't help me. Now I pick somebody. Use all these segregation era ass movies. No, I've got the connective tissue. I've got to get. You, to... you had to sit in the balcony to watch it. I've got to get to this. Off the steps, colored boy. Get <laughs> up! Leave me alone! Leave me alone! I'm 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 at who am I at? I'm at Jack Lemon, right? Mm-hmm. How many movies is that? That's three. Sydney Poitier, Tony Curtis, Jack Lemmon. Mm-hmm. That's three, right? All right. So Jack Lemmon is in... I, kn- I know. Oh fuck, I know what. I know. Hmm? I know the movie I want to get. I know the movie I want to end with. Oh yeah, not as easy as it looks. It a... I never said it was easy. Oh. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, oh, Jack Lemmon is in Irma La Douche. At the, of course. With Kim Novak. Sure. Kim Novak mm-hmm. is in uh, uh, Vertigo mm-hmm. with Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, that's true. Who is in The Man Who Knew Too Much with Doris Day. All right. There you go. Well done. Boom. Yes. Old timey at six degrees. Old timey. Six degrees separation. Ooh. All right. All right. It's like half of the movies Derville Martin couldn't have been in.
2: You got the sandwiches? What you doing here?
1: <laughs> to be fair, he would have been a child. That's why he couldn't have been in them. <laughs> right. That's why. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's why. He, was, he would have been a child. Right, right. Otherwise, right, sure. sure we enough. would have found room for him. Right, right, right. He could have had a, a musical number. That could easily be edited out when we send it to the southern theaters. <laughs> anyway, all right. So I did it. Yeah, right. Hey, you ready to... guess you showed that fifteen-year-old girl who apparently has haunted you since last week. All right, we got to get Daryl in. Come we... on, let's go. let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Put down the gavel. Uh. Let's bring in Daryl Charles, ladies and gentlemen, and get into our review of Spider Man across the Spider Verse. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Hope I didn't ice your game, man. No one my age says those words in that order. It's just
0: hard to
1: see my little man not being my little boy all the time. Yeah. For years, I've been taking care of this little boy. Making sure he is loved, that he feels like he belongs wherever he wants to be. He wants to go out into the world and do great big things.
2: Not bad, kid. And what I worry about most...
1: I love you, Miles.
2: Is they won't look out for you like us. Miles! Wanna get out of here?
1: Wherever you go from here, you have to promise to take care of that little boy for me. Make sure he never forgets where he came from. And he never doubts that
0: he is loved. And he never lets anyone tell him that he doesn't belong there. You gotta promise, Miles.
1: I promise. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, a 2023 computer-animated superhero film featuring the Marvel Comics character Miles Morales, a.k.a. Spider-Man. This is a sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Excuse me. The Academy Award-winning Best Animated Feature from 2018, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This film Directed by Joaquin DeSantos, Kemp Powers, and Justin Thomas, from a script by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller with David Callahan, uh, features Miles and Gwen Stacy, aka One Spider Woman, going across the multiverse where he meets a new team of spider people known as the Spider Society, but comes into conflict with them. Over handling a new threat called The Spot. Uh, this film features the voice voice work of Shamik Moore and Haley Steinfeld in the lead roles, but it also features Brian Tyree Henry, Lauren Velez, Jake Johnson, Jason Swartzman, Issa Ray, uh, Karen Sani, Shay Wigham, Greta Greta Lee, Daniel Kalua. Oscar Isaac Shaallah Ali who spoiled well I guess we should do um <laughs> yeah, sorry uh in a film that was the number one film this year I mean not this year excuse me this past week in the box office grossing over 120 million dollars in three days this weekend. And joining us, Vincent and I, for our review of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, is the one, the only, Daryl Charles of the DTF Fun Hour. Comedian Daryl Charles, who you can check at Punchline Comedy Theater, June 30th here in Philadelphia, and the sexiest comedian in America. What's up, Daryl?
3: That's what we do. I shaved for this. Uh, Hello. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate the warm words and the kindness and also the uh, seat next to, between y'all, at the screening that we were at for uh, Spider-Man. It's a good time. Good time. It was a great time. I've seen it again. Did you see it again? I have seen it again. I have also seen it again. Yeah, that's what I figured. I mean, we all kind of said that when we walked out. It was like, Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to see
1: this again.
0: Yeah.
3: So-
1: And then we didn't wait.
3: Spoils to review, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We should probably put a disclaimer on top, though. Yes. Because this is the review Mm. that we will have, and we review films in its entirety. This episode is being taped less than a week after it's come out. Yes. So perhaps people have not seen it yet. It is a film that I think we can all agree you should see without knowing, like, you should know as least as possible going in yes you should yeah. i think it is also safe to to assume i haven't spoken to either of them but i'm going to speak for them all three of us heartily recommend it if yes. that's what yes. you're waiting for yes. but this will be a spoiler filled review if you've not seen it turn us off go listen to the review of enter the spider verse come back we'll be here well don't turn it off just yet don't do turn- it <laughs> You know, as soon as I said turn it off, they, oh my they lord! And done. then they turn it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now they go turn it back on, like oh. So, so for like the it. three of you in our families who are still watching, um, <laughs> uh, don't turn it off just yet because we're going to start with just some like just our thoughts in general on the film before we then get into the, the spoilers. Thoughts yes, we like it. Fold in like they fold in spoilers. Well, the, you, I think you I could. could you could still kind of, at least, we recommend the movie. But let's let's put it this way. Outside of without spoiling the film, mm-hmm, is there one thing, if the three of us can come up with at least one thing that we would say to recommend the reason why people should see this movie?
3: Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, a well done, uh, piece of art, the, the colors, the animation, yeah. the way that they're able to juggle the different styles of animation. Like they hinted at it in the first one, mm-hmm. they mastered it for the second one. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, a lovely family film with some really good messaging, uh, especially given the attacks on some identities today. Mm -hmm. It it all has to do with identity and fitting in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's a, it's a great message. Uh, And I think that, uh, well, I was saying when we watched it, I was like, I can't wait for uh, terrible white men to uh, jump all over this movie. Uh, I think it's, yeah. And so that, that's where I'll go with it.
1: It's it's amazing to me. I was noting that this was the number one film in the country uh, this year. The number two film is The Little Mermaid. Yeah, about mm-hmm. that. No, so how about that? It's it's, it's yeah. two black leads uh, leading the 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 two number two. Uh, well, well, the funny thing, the theater that I went to for the second viewing, it
2: was a lot of black folks. Yeah, like a lot of black yeah. families.
1: Yeah, and I assumed everyone was going was going to funnel into, you know, the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But. You actually saw the wave. Saw the split. Split. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like waves of little girls and a smattering of boys mm-hmm. going into The Little Mermaid mm-hmm. and a wave of little boys with a smattering of girls going into Spider-Verse. And I know. So everybody had their own film. I think this is a, not surprisingly, I think surprisingly because of how we think about animation. Well-made and mature script, yes, yes. Like I think the script is so well done, mm-hmm. and and I would you know, and and I think obviously the animation is the big selling point because it, it, it's it's just it really is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think the script is what's going to keep people watching this again and again. Yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of agree with you. Um, and we can touch on what like Daryl brought up about like how the the animation styles and the colors of sure we'll touch on that as we get deeper into the into the film. Um But the thing that I will say of the recommend is that if you only go by the the trailers and the commercials for the movies, it seems that, that there is a lot of attention paid to the idea that Spider-Man is running around with a whole bunch of spider man right. around him, right? Um, and this is just Easter egg city yes. as far as movies goes. And it is Easter egg city. Mm-hmm. But one of the fears that you had, or well, at least that I had going into this movie was that coming off of the success of a Spider-Verse movie, for them now to be doing the sequel and then also focusing around the Spider-Verse, was that they would lose Miles right. in the in the movie, right? And he just become one of the tapestry. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still is very much prominent in this movie. And he is not only is he prominent, but there is even more built up into his family structure as yeah. well. You spend time with his mom, his father. You actually spend time with a couple more of his relatives as well to see both sides of their family. Um, and I think to Daryl's point, with so many you know, things in regards to identity and how we live and who we are being attacked in this country right now, I think for the number one film in the country to be a film that embraces who we are truly and puts it with absolutely no no caveat no harness no excuses right there full blown and beautiful colors on the on the movie screen is something to celebrate and something to champion people going to the movies to say all right all
3: right yeah. all right also um, um given what you said like i don't think this happened in the first movie i i, I need to watch it again uh but like there were scenes where it was just his mom and dad talking. Yeah. Yeah. Without miles. And they were talking about trying to raise him. And I was like, Oh man, you know, like I, I know that they were pulling, they were pulling at the heartstrings about parenthood and about watching your child become an adult and all that stuff. And I was like, Oh man, if I had kids, I'd probably be tearing up right now. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've made better decisions.
1: <laughs> 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 oh God. All right, now, all ladies right. and gentlemen, if you don't want to be spoiled on Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, pause the podcast now and return to it after you see the film. Trust me, you will be rewarded for doing it this way. All right, all right, all right. We are about true. to go in. Yes. All right, mm. all right. Daryl, yeah, what you got to say about
3: Spider-Man Across? The I Spider-Man. cannot. I cannot wait for the third movie. I I think that this like oh my god, yes, yes. Like the way like okay, so the 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 way the movie starts is pretty much directly as the first movie ended, but it starts with uh, Gwen. So it mm-hmm. you know it doesn't go over a backstory, but it it goes into Gwen's universe exactly. To mm-hmm. Talk about what she did up until the point at the end of the first movie she opens up a portal and says, hey, what you you doing? Right? Like, that's how the first movie ends. So, like, just the continuity, the the attention to detail to do that, it's just like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then they end it with the entire, you know, multiversal ensemble, the the multiversal Avengers jumping in to go and save him. Come on, man. I know. Oh, yeah. I know. It's
1: ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
3: Yeah. and, and then like, I, I don't know if you thought about it. I, I didn't even know that they were planning a third one. I had no idea that that's what was going to happen. And I was sitting there in the last few minutes, one, checking my watch, being like, my parking's about to run out. But two, being like, how are they going to wrap this up? Right,
1: right. A-, a friend of mine actually told me that they, they did let out that there was going to be a third film. But I purposefully had stayed away from like sure. any stories yeah, about well, stuff. Sure. Like once I first saw the first trailer, I was like, "All right, I want to see the movie." I never even watched the trailer again. I said, "I know I'm, I'm in. I'm good. I'm. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, yeah, y'all got, got me. me. I, I don't need to see yeah. nothing. Right. right? I don't need to read nothing. I don't need nothing. I'm going. I'm. I'm going in cold." But when you live in the world of comic books and stuff like that, you know, and I do another podcast that talks about comic books, you kind of like kind of know that type of stuff. But I too did not know that there was going to be another movie so the whole time i'm watching it as i'm realizing like there's a lot of story that's going and we'll go over the story but it's like yo this movie been going on a little while <laughs> yeah and 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 shit ain't wrapping up like they still intru- they still introducing stuff i'm like they are not going to finish this movie they are not they are not i'm i'm sitting there like they're not going to part 2 are they going to part 2 oh my god are they going to part i am just so I am so anxious because I want all of those kids that were in that theater, especially our second time Mm -hmm. watching the second time I watched it with like, you know, a regular uh, audience. I want all of those kids that had the same feeling that I had back in 1980. That's right. When I went to see Empire Strikes Back Mm -hmm. and you saw Han Solo put into what? Carbonite? Carbonite. And, And you were like, and the movie went off, and I'm like, "Are you out of your mind? What? <laughs> yes. What? N- no, no!" And I wanted, I wanted to hear that gasp from the kids. Yeah, it, it, but kids are so trained that there was the gasp, and then they were like, "Okay, Spider Man, we went to Spider Man." Well, b- because like Empire Strikes Back, which you know, I was my immediate. Because I knew it was going to be three parts. Oh, you knew? Yeah, I knew. And my concern was it was just going to be kind of this elongated thing that the suits had gotten involved and we're going to make Mm. as much money as we can off of this. I was concerned that the second film wouldn't be its own entity. Okay, fair enough. And of these trilogies that we've all kind of lived through, I can't think of another one. After Empire Strikes Back, which, frankly, you know, I think happened much more organically than Mm -hmm. things have happened over the past 20 years. This is a distinct movie experience. Mm -hmm. So that much like Empire Strikes Back, where, you know, even the most casual Star Wars fan will say Empire is the best one. And people watch Empire by itself. I don't know if this will be better than the third one. Like, you know, at this point, I don't think you should have any reservations about the Spider-Verse team. True. Like just right. trust them that they know, they what, know they're what they're doing, doing and they're going to do things better than anyone has done it. Right. But if <laughs> this is the best of the three, I think this lives by itself. Yeah. From now on. Yeah. Because it is, it's 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 it ends on a quote unquote cliffhanger. But it ends much like the Empire Strikes Back ends, where things are unresolved. Which mm-hmm. you've had a full film experience. You you, you feel yeah. full.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the 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 character progression and growth has happened for those people. They've all moved on, and uh, you know they've all grown from the experiences they had in the movie. It, it is satisfying in that way. And then it's like, oh man, like I think that the whole the whole third movie is going to be a fight. Like it's just going to be one fight. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I don't see them taking no breaks in the third movie. Right. I, I I don't see how, but you know, well obviously there's you know many multiverses in, in the spot and all that crap. But Yeah. But
1: yeah. yeah. Right. You 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 spoke about how the movie opens up in Gwen's world, right? Mm-hmm. And that is their first opportunity to do, like what you said, was create this totally different palette an animation style in all of the different worlds that they they uh they journey to because as opposed to the first one where you know like these uh other spider entities came and visited into right. Miles' world Miles is now going to these dispar- these different worlds and each of them has a a different language a different a different color palette starting with Gwen's, which is very like heavy watercolors. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the watercolors kind of like, you know, speak to the mood that she's going very through. Moody. Very moody. Um, atmospheric. um, But, but then...
3: And it, pretty much the colors of the trans flag. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. And I mean, like, I, I don't want to, it's not a bad critique, but like they were heavy handed in the subtext of mm-hmm. Gwen's entire thing being a parallel for the trans existence. But I thought that that was just a, a beautiful note.
1: I mean, yeah, so much know, of it is like, like I thought it was really notable that at the end, when Miles is, is about to tell what he thinks is his mother, his secret mm-hmm. identity, Lauren Velez's vocal performance and the mm-hmm. way the film is, it, like, the way it's set up, it looks like a coming-out moment. Yeah. Like, you you get mm. the sense that she thinks he's about to tell her that he's gay. Mm. So I think you're right that so much of this is tied up that you can see these parallels, these different parallels of identity throughout. Yeah. And, and you know, like we say about these master filmmakers, and even though these this is very early work, by a lot of these directors, Joaquin de Santos, like he made his bones on animated on cartoons. Animated cartoons, um, you you know, I think, um, yeah, he he he's yeah. he's noted for he's on Justice League, uh, uh, uh Avatar. Avatar, The Last yeah. Airbender, Korra. Yeah. Justin Thompson is really known as a production designer, mm-hmm. and you know, but I, I I don't think, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that these are three directors. Who are in control of every aspect. And Ken oh. Powers, what he, he he co-directed Soul. Soul. Right. 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 So that I think this multi-level symbolism is
2: deliberate.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? And well, when well handled. Like it it it's not clunky. It doesn't interfere with like action sequences or no, not it doesn't at all. bring the movie to a terrible halt. I will say this. I watched the when I watched the second time, I watched it with my wife. And we went, you know, regular public and there were kids just talking and cracking up like teenagers being teenagers during the movie. And I was like, man, I'm so happy we don't have kids. And uh, my wife was like, no, you have to remember the re- the the teenage boys started goofing around at every emotional point in the movie. Oh, uh, really? Because they can't be emotional in front of their friends. They're uncomfortable. Right? Yeah. Right, that discomfort made them joke around. And I was like, mm, cuz it did match cuz it was like the action sequences everybody quiet. Mm-hmm. But then when it got into the feelings and the emotions and like the 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 interplay between Glenn and her dad was just like, oh, oh man, just talk about acting, man. It was doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. uh Haley Steinfeld and Shea Wiggum uh as mm-hmm. her father. Um that was that actually like really got me, especially sure. especially the way that again with the with with the colors and and everything mm-hmm. right, and and also with the colors, but also just with the the transitions. There's a cool transition early when uh, Gwen leaves her house and you see her walking the street. Yeah, and then it she passes one person. She's still she the camera is still behind her as she's walking the street she passes one person and almost effortlessly she's on the subway now
2: yeah mm-hmm. and
1: and and it I like that is that is actually thinking as a a cinematographer but then folding in the advantage that animation, that animation gives you, gives you. You're yeah. allowing you to do that mm-hmm. man it, and it was so beautifully handled man yeah like oh my god that that moment still stays with me. I see it all. Well, and and I think in a lot of ways, I love the decision to bookend it with Gwen's voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it it really speaks to something. Because I, I you know I'm an unabashed Miles Morales fan, like the comic books, the whole deal. And I think what, had, what keeps drawing me to him as a character, is I see this this real tension in this character this miles morales character because so much as spider-man which you know i thought it was such a great decision because i think about it all the time that they deal with in the movie that tragedy is so much a part of what makes spider-man spider-man like from the very beginning he is defined by these tragedies it's the tears of a clown it's everything What Miles Morales, as this real 21st century creation, Hmm. is like the personification of Black Boy Joy, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, how do you reconcile this Black Boy Joy with this this kind of Spider Man weight, right? Right, and pathos of Spider Man, and and when you, you you know, I love that that you get that like 10 minute sequence with Spider Gwen. Where you see the price that she's paid, that you see, right. and then so that when the rock him drops, mm-hmm. and it's just bright poppy, and it's just the Miles Morales world, and it's you know it's just such, I, I, like I just love his Brooklyn so much, like I love mm-hmm. the fact that for the first couple of shots, he's just in the background. Yeah, you know, yes. he's just in. The, he's just. He does world. a spot. He's just. He's. I mean, he's. He's just energy and he's pure and he's effervescent and he's just, and then when you see him, you know, he's a teenage boy. Yeah, He needs something to eat. Mm -hmm. And then he cracks jokes. But because you've had this grounding of Gwen, you have that kind of hanging over it. Yeah, That, you know, like one thing that I thought that really struck me the very first time we saw it is when he's in this kind of mad cap kind of tussle with the spot yeah and he and his mm-hmm. father and it's almost like something out of Buster Keaton mm-hmm. and his mm-hmm. father falls and then mm-hmm. he saves him but it's played very comedically yeah, yeah he just kind yes, of sets is. him up but you know his dad almost died just now right right that <laughs> like his dad almost died just now but right. this is you know as the film tells you he's not gone through this canonical moment right right you know they kind of you know they 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 reinforce it with uh, Proviteer, the the Indian Spider Man. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh yeah. How as soon as he says being Spider Man is the easiest thing on earth, you know. Mm. Oh, you haven't been Spider Man that long, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And hear right, and then sure enough, you hear. So I love, like I love the fact that the film is grappling with that. Mm -hmm. Like they, like, like I love the fact that not only are these great animators, not only are these great directors, these are people that have thought about this character Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. thought about Spider-Man and thought about these themes Yeah, that, you know, many of us over the years have, have, you know, kind of, you know, we inferred it and we put this on it, but now so much of the subtext gets to be the text. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get these one, you, you know you almost don't want to call them set pieces. Like I oh, like all oh, like, oh, the action Like piece. the action like, like you know I love when 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 Gwen says we you know it's like they have the the first set piece in the museum where the film lets you know we're we're also making art. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's you know. and 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 the film is actually making a commentary on the art as it like falls right. in and the museum like ooh yeah I like that.
3: <laughs> i think that's a Banksy. yeah it's just yeah man if they really like and that that's the part about it like i think that all of these superhero movies are best uh executed when they use, like, like the idea that they're superheroes the idea that we're in this fantasy comic book world is just the world that they live in and then we get to tell stories on top of that exactly right exactly. like like um the winter soldier is a great spy movie as Mm -hmm. regardless of super serums and Captain America and shield. Right. Um, the Ant-Man movies are heist movies, regardless of the fact that you can shrink and all that stuff. This movie is like a meditation on Spider-Man and like, you know, the, the, yeah. Are you defined by your pain or are you defined by your hope for the future? Right. And Mm -hmm. that is, that is a, uh I, I want every child to watch that. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And think about that. Because yeah, it's yeah, it's such
1: a it's a right. great just, point to bring up. Just just a coda to your story. You suspect the teenagers that were joking because they were uncomfortable because they were with each other. Mm-hmm. You know they're gonna watch this by themselves though. I was oh, just about yeah. to say that same thing. Yeah. They're gonna watch it by themselves and they're gonna see it. They're going mm-hmm. to. They're, they're, it's going to hit them, mm-hmm. and they're and they're going to really like reconcile with it, you know. Um,
3: because it's make them hug their moms, or something like that.
1: <laughs> yo, yo, it will, man. It will. Mm-hmm. It'll make you hug your mom, and make yeah. you look at your dad a little differently, man. Um, there is, there is. You you talked about like the commentary that it has on parenting in the in this film, which it which it is rife with, but. None of the parents in these, none of the parents are perfect, right? They are all they. It's amazing. To, it's amazing. It's amazing to me that in a cartoon, the, the parents are real. They feel. Yeah. They yeah. feel. They feel like just like real parents, a real couple. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How how they interacted with one another, mm-hmm. um, like just everything I just, say just we struggling, just felt so so <laughs> so and and and. You know, uh, Shamik Moore and Haley Steinfeld—they kill it in the lead roles. Absolutely, as Miles yeah. Morales. Oh yeah, uh, and 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 Gwen Stacy. You just talked about Lauren Velez. Um, yeah. but for me, the voice that just kept hitting me was Brian Tyree Henry as his father. Yeah, yeah. Like because, dude, if he did not sell... Like my dad, I don't know if he sound like your dad. <laughs> yeah. He sound like every dad. He's man. He's doing the best he can. Uh, yeah. Yes, he's doing the best he can. He's doing the best he yeah. can. Um, I, I was, and to be honest, he sound like me sometimes when, yeah. you de- oh, yeah, when yeah, thinking absolutely. about you dealing with my daughter. I was like, I was like living in that moment, man. And I was, especially the moment. uh such a good moment where he is talking to Spider Man about oh. miles yeah <laughs> I was like that is great it's like maybe you just gotta let him sweat it. right 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 <laughs> what
3: <laughs> I do you know what and that's a, another uh, it's a uh, again it's it the thing that takes the movie from just being good to being great is all the small things but I do love the fact that uh, both Gwen and Miles just lower their voice when they're speaking to their parents right that's their disguise that's, yeah yeah, yeah. It's just fun to see, like, yeah, Haley Steinfeld's voice being like, yeah, uh, just stay there,
1: Captain. Right, right. And and, and Funny. let me ask y'all a question. Because again, watch one trailer, that was it, right? I had no idea who the villain in this movie was, no. but if I had known that the villain was the Spot, who maybe is pulled from the comics, I don't remember. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's a deep pull. Okay, it's definitely a pull. I, yeah. Because I kind of remember him it's in a, in a, a daredevil, right, movie. right. But it's a it's a pretty it's deep, a deep pull, pull. It's pretty yeah. And and it was a it was a pull that they pulled, and they definitely played around with. Yeah. Because yeah. if you had told me that the spot was a villain, the main villain in this, mm-hmm. I'd be like, uh, okay, let's see how this is going to work. all right They made he thought the, he was a villain of the week. <laughs> They made the spot maybe the villain of the year because they made him work. Look, again, when you have the spot after Spider-Gwen's sort of existential exploration of the sacrifices and I don't have any friends and this, that, and the other, and, you know, he's madcap. Mm Mm-hmm. But there is, like, I thought he was perfect because in each part of the film, he fit. Yes. Yeah. Like that early part, you know, again, it's, it's just sort of screwball comedy. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you know, you great, you have the great visual gags, but even that moment with the bread falling out is mm-hmm. a little disturbing. It just, uh-oh. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it's, you want to say that again? Yeah. It's a <laughs> little disturb. It's a little kind of, eh, Just a hint of what's to come. It's just a right. hint of what's to come. So that when he progresses to that final image. Yeah. 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 Talk about playing around with it with a
3: little bit of white. Yeah. Remember he starts out white with, with black splotches. He turns around and it's like, and it shows the gravity of the situation. Like you're, you're genuinely scared of this villain and what he can do. I can't wait for the third movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, and and it was interesting that while he is the spot in the beginning the whole movie is really the origin of the spot that the he's spot. really that he right. is to to right. come. And he just becomes more ominous and dangerous throughout the movie yeah. oh, to yeah. the point where like, yo, we got to take this dude seriously. Yeah. Because now he's about to mess some stuff up. Right. Yeah. Most definitely, man. Oh my God. You said it's just a movie, it, it we're big in here selling the movie and we're selling it for like the bigger themes. Sure, it. sure. But like we said, it's a, it's the Spider Verse. It's an Easter egg delight. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like,
3: yeah, I was like, they must have somebody on staff just reading comics. Oh,
1: absolutely! And what a job! <laughs> what a job! What, what a job! <laughs> because there, you, you know, there are deep cuts. There are more, more, you know, more recent cuts. Mm-hmm. There are fan favorite cuts. There you know, it's and and I love the fact that you got the sense that if they train the camera on any of them, they could be an actual character. Character.
2: Yeah. Because
1: I was looking forward to Spider Punk. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just because I like to, you know, he's a fairly new character. Like from the past three or four years. Right. But there is absolutely no way I thought. That we would have this. I know. Mm. I know. Hobie Brown, Spider-Punk, voiced by Daniel Kaluuya.
3: How? I mean, out here just just being as dazzling as he's been in every other thing I've seen him how in.
1: How amazing is this character? How are you even cooler underneath how your are mask? are you even
2: cooler <laughs> under the mask? Actually,
1: I've been this cool the whole time. <laughs> I, I said, you know what, man? You are. You are, dog. Yeah. You are. Yeah, I, I was I was not a, a ready for him either, right. man. And, and you know, again, I, I think this is a film that's going to reward you viewing after viewing oh, after viewing. dude. Yeah. There are people who are stopping. Yeah. Like, they can't wait to be able to stop this drawing. Because even with the second viewing, what you realize is that Hobie Brown, from the very moment he comes on the screen, is setting up helping miles.
3: Exactly. Yeah, he knows he's the one from like the from the moment he shows up. It's what yeah.
1: Like he's pulling the stuff off the wall. Off the and wall. I'm like, right, because he's gonna build his own. Like mm. he's all like he's like the most spider of the spider men. Yep. Like mm-hmm. he's joking in this snap, but he's like, you know, pay attention to this hand, and then this hand is doing the work. Yes, yes. I did peep that. Loved him so much. I loved him so much. Who I also loved, and I could have dealt, um, done with a lot more of, because it was a total reworking, at least as far as I know, Mm -hmm. of the Jessica Drew Spider-Woman character. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because this Spider-Woman rides a motorcycle. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Is badass and black. Mm. Yes. And Issa Rae, I I loved every bit of it. Well... If we have to dig into the comics, is is that Jessica Drew black in the comics? No, that Jessica Drew is based on a redesign from the the, Jessica Drew is black is white in the comics, but she was pregnant and she did have a motorcycle. But that Jessica Drew with the afro is, I believe, a reference to. Do you remember the Spidey the Spidey uh, comic the Spidey Reader comics? From the 70s? I read this. Yes, yes, yes. That that was the Spidey from the Electric Company. From the Electric they Company. Did the they comic book comic ad- adaptation, yes. There was a one-off. Mm-hmm. of well, I think she was a librarian. Yes. And she had a big afro, and she was a spider woman. And she actually predated Jessica Drew. Right, right. So the mm. first spider woman was actually black, and I believe that was a reference to her. I, I did read somewhere that they think that that it was a reference they haven't had anybody confirm it right. yet. But I did read that. Yo, that's... Damn. damn that's a deep cut. Man. Look, that's that's the deepest look. cut. Look, I was going to say this to the end, but we talking... I have one note. I have one note for this entire film, and I'm almost certain that they're keeping it for the third one. <laughs> M- manga, Spider-Man, stroll um, down the hallway in one scene. Yes. Penny Parker obviously is the more current anime Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I need Japanese Spider-Man to show up from the seventies with the oh, big robot. With the big robot in the armband. I don't know, man. I believe he'll show up for the third one. I don't know. I don't know. That's it. That that might be a good one. And we do know the Spider Verse team are missionaries. So if you all haven't, yes, Phil Lord is a, definitely a follower of the show. Phil, I'm assuming that Japanese Spider-Man is going to show up in the third one. <laughs> if he doesn't, and y'all kind of make sure Japanese Spider-Man shows up in the third one, please and thank you. If If Japanese Spider-Man shows up in the third one and then there's a quick like little caption next to it, it's like, you're welcome, Vincent. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna die. I am actually going to die. I, I, I was just happy that I saw the spider buggy. When I saw the spider buggy, I was like, "Yo, I am with it. I, I'm, I'm done." Peter Park car. Peter Park
3: Peter car. Park That's a car. solid
1: That's right. fun. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I was. I yes. was. I was. I was tickled. The-
3: I was Is the Spider-Man from the um the video game is in there? Yes. The, the, mm-hmm. the, yes. the bag the Bagman
1: Spider-Man is it? like I mean. That's a deep everything. cut too. That's a pretty deep cut. Bagman Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. They even they even have fun with uh 1967 Spider-Man. Yeah. Next to when he comes swinging.
3: And his legs he cramps up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god it so it's it's just a love letter it, it's a love like it's also a love letter but like mm-hmm. you, but like Sarah. we said it's a love letter that doesn't it doesn't get in the way of the story because shout out to because as much as this the spot voiced by jason schwartzman giving everybody does great, does great work does great yeah does great work because he sells the comedy yeah. but he also sells the villainy yeah right um but as much as we, we're caping for him, the other kind of like uh antagonist in this movie is Miguel Herrera, yeah, of Spider-Man mm-hmm. 2099, voiced by Oscar Isaacs. And like Oscar Isaacs long ago became like a favorite actor of mine. And like, mm-hmm. yo, that work is is killer because you get you you get his motivation. Absolutely you 100% understand. get his motivation. You, ab- you yeah. kind of side with him a little bit. You can you can see somebody. you can see why everybody rallies around him and sees him as cuz he leads the Spider Society. Right. And you can see why he leads the Spider Society one because he's kind of like the Spider-Man of the Spider-Men. Um mm-hmm. but two because of his backstory and how tragic it is. And and Oscar Isaac sells it, and kills it in this movie. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah. I can't wait to see what happens to them in the third movie. And like, you see the change in Spider-Woman at the end when Gwen mm-hmm. is like, we're supposed to be the good guys. You know what I mean? Like that, man. Yeah. They, they did a good job.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, my one note about this movie, and I actually saw it um, played out a little bit on the, on the internet. Cause I was curious about this is that, there seems to be an ongoing issue with the sound of the movie when you're watching the movie. Uh, I hmm. saw that, because I felt it honestly when we were watching the movie. That I was like, oh, the sound doesn't sound like mixed very well. It sounds like very, like some moments sound very low. And some minutes moments sound like a little loud and stuff like that. Um, but I we went to a press screening. So I was like, all right, well right. maybe. Um, but when I went to see it again, some of those same issues were there, which then prompted me to go online, and I saw that Phil Lord actually did a uh, a tweet about making sure that your theater is showing this with like the audio set at a a certain level, right? Something like that, certain way, because that seemed to be an ongoing issue. Uh, around I I guess in other theaters. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. I, I know I didn't understand hobie brown some of his lines in the preview mm-hmm. but it was much clearer in in the one that i and saw it probably if, and i'm wondering if maybe i saw with the audio set yeah correctly, correctly. yeah you're right yeah right so um that that is my one note if you do right. find that when you go see see the movie you know just like maybe just go talk to your projectionist and phil lord actually told he, in his tweet he tells people like go talk Tell the projectionist, the sound's supposed to be said to this. They give you any pushback. Tell them Phil Lord said. Tell them Phil Lord. <laughs>
2: he actually said that.
3: I know every uh, projectionist in America was like, come on, man. But
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Real truth. Real talk. Real talk. Um, so, okay. We buried the lead. We would definitely recommend
2: yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah and Do again you th- i did I, oh sorry no go ahead no i haven't
3: seen the first one in years and i i saw it was like on a random channel but uh, my cable was like no you can't just watch it uh, from the beginning like did y'all watch the
1: first one again before seeing the second one i didn't watch it immediately but i can guarantee you because it is a perennial favorite of my household oh and yeah, i've seen I, it in yeah. the past two months and I've seen it a lot. So, yeah. like, are there any questions you have about any aspect of the first movie?
3: It like I didn't see it going in, and I was like, man, should I? And the the this is just a me thing. The last time I did that, where I was like watching a bunch of movies back to back before I saw the new one, was John Wick, and I was like, I just saw too much murder in a day, so mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. like I'm not doing that again. Yeah. But like watching that second one made me want to go back and watch the first one because the way that they refer to it, I'm like this story can't be that tight <laughs> it it is <laughs> actually that maybe. tight mm.
1: it is you, you know i have to say the plot point and and it, you know they play fair the plot point of the spider being from the other universe it's all right there it's all yeah. right it is there. all right but there but i think i thought that that 42 referred to this was the 42nd spider i thought it like, had I, experimented one i'm pretty sure that. tweet that said that like the comic book
3: uh Miles Morales, it is the 40 second experiment. Right. But this one is from a different like so well, it's different than the comic. Yeah. Well,
1: it glitches. It right. actually in glitches the in one. the in, movie. In, in, in the first one. Which in the first which, one, I do remember it glitching. Which they let you know if something is glitching, that means right. it's from another. And then the, the the beautiful subtlety is that people have already stitched... I have to admit, I, I've had a, a research assistant for this episode. <laughs> my daughter, my daughter has been all over TikTok and she's showing <laughs> me different things. When Miles Spider Sense goes off the first time. Are you talking about th- this movie or the first? Time? In the first movie, when Miles meets R.I. Peter. Yes. Mm. And their Spider Sense goes off at the same time. Miles' Spider Sense lines are purple and green. Mm. They don't turn red and blue until R.I.P. Peter dies. So he actually has a spider sense from the other universe. And then when Peter dies, he sinks and he's this universe's Spider-Man. Oh, wow. And they set this up in the it's. It was amazing, like, it's it's so amazingly... Well, real, real quick, for people that don't know, what's the, what is this, uh, uh this why is it unique that his spider says it's first purple and green? Because he's been bitten by the spider from what we're calling the Prowler universe. Right. Because when he goes at the end, it's all purples and greens because this is the Prowler universe. And as Miguel tells him, you are an anomaly mm-hmm. because you were bitten by a spider that was meant for someone in that universe. Right. But they brought the spider to your. He's from sixteen ten. Right. And they bite him, and it's am- And and purple and green is the colors of the prowler of the prowler. Right. right. And I just I I like I was just amazed at the audacity of them seeding that in the first one wow. in a film that. There's no way no one knew it was going to be this. No, no, because when you see, because in the first one, when you see the spider glitch, you just assume it's the radioactivity. Right. Right. If if you even notice the color of his spider sense, because there's so much madcap animation happening, you're thinking it's just a stylistic choice. Right. You don't know it's storytelling happening in front of it, your eyes. Uh, look, even in this one, the second time watching it, when he's in... 42's bedroom. Mm-hmm. If you look around the bedroom, there's a speed bag. Well, you notice subtle differences and there's a record player because Uncle Aaron is still alive. Yes. So mm. all of those Aaron influences yeah. you actually see in his bedroom. Right. Mm. And there's subtle differences because when Mom opens the door, you if you pay attention behind her in the the rest of the apartment there's subtle differences there too. Yeah. I, I kind of know. I, that's what I kind of noticed. Yeah, maybe it's like, oh, something is a little wrong. Right.
3: Oh yeah. I mean, from the time she was like, when he was like, "I'm Spider Man," she was like, "Who's that?" I was like, "Oh yeah, it's a different universe." Because remember, they they were talking about Spider Man earlier in the movie, saying, "Oh, well, I, I, I," they said he's Puerto Rican. He was like, "No, I, I think he, he looks Dominican to me." <laughs> like that was a little joke, but again a little joke that really speaks to uh the the the, the uh, latinx uh experience in this country and uh an end of new york city i will say uh, yes. oh, yeah oh i've seen very many much. i've seen many a high school fight between puerto ricans and dominicans uh <laughs> just uh, yeah you know all in good fun obviously but like yeah
1: hmm. oh my god um any last thoughts about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? Daryl. It's
3: a really good movie, man. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, you should see it. Bring a friend. Uh, bring a family. Um, bring a family. Oh, I will say, uh, you know, DC, uh, for years, everybody would say, oh, you know, Marvel is killing it in the movies, but when it comes to animation, DC is taking them to town. And uh, they showed up with Spider-Man and said, listen, y'all need to, y'all need to fix how you say my name. They do. Put some respect on it.
1: Though, to be fair, this is Sony with a deal with Marvel. Right. So, you know, Sony is like, yo, 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 put some respect on our name as well. Well, and
3: also Sony does not want to lose the Spider-Man franchise and they will if they ever wait too long. So, right.
1: I, I, I have to say. I was guardingly sort of optimistic about this because I th- I think what made the first one work so well, and we talk about this all the time, where these films kind of come out of nowhere mm-hmm. and they're amazing films. And, and part of the reason that they work is because, as I always talk about, the lunchbox people, mm-hmm. like the lunchbox and pajama people aren't paying attention. Right. So then the filmmakers and the artists can actually create their art. And I was a little concerned that there were going to be more lawyers and accountants kind of like and, in, their hands and, and in the, the lunchbox people involved. So I have to give credit where credit is due to the execs, to the people in, you know, the C-suite who decided to let these artists create mm-hmm. because this is a masterpiece. It is. This is actually a masterpiece. And, and and you know, there's a lot of talk about is this even better than the first one, which I think is a fair conversation to have. Most well, certainly. But in my mind, this is like saying that Miles Davis is a better musician than Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you could argue it, but part of the reason that Miles Davis is Miles Davis is because he could stand on the foundation right. of right. Louis Armstrong. And in my mind, this just builds mm-hmm. off yeah. of oh, off of the first one, and 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 you know, Daryl, much like you, I'm very much looking forward to the third one. Oh my
3: goodness! Like yeah, like the it, the again, you know, superhero movies. You still make movies like it does, like the Godfather two thing. Like it builds on the world, it builds, it adds, it you know, and just makes. It flushes out characters that you wanted to see more of from the first one. Like man,
1: without lo- with with it, it bears repeating without losing the 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 lead. Yeah, right? this is Miles' story because it is because they build up Gwen, but this is not an ensemble. No, this is still Miles' movie, right? This is still Miles' movie. Um, just a just a a beautiful piece of art. And if you would said, again, they're doing a sequel to this movie. The spot's going to be the main villain. <laughs> they are changing the directors. Yeah. From the first movie. Yeah. um, You would say, okay, that's enough to be like, and they're throwing in like a ton more like characters. You'll be like, all right, that's just enough to just be cautiously yeah, like mm-hmm. step back a little yeah. bit, right? Um but then you're you're right. They nail it and they keep the group intact. This is the exact same group that is doing the the next movie beyond the Spider-Verse. Um shout out to Joaquin DeSantos who like I said, a guy who cut his teeth in an uh, animated uh cartoon mm-hmm. TV series uh streets um, I believe this may maybe his feature film debut. Um, if not, it's hard pressed to find another thing that he's done better than this dog. Um, because you you murdered it, son. You murdered yeah. it. Um this was just uh a, a joy to behold. I love Ken Powers. I can just imagine I, I imagine a lot of that character building is him because that that was a lot of what soul was. Right, right. Um and just like that that, that sort of abstract mm-hmm aspect of soul which I love so much. Yeah. You pick up immediately from the, when when Gwen is playing the drums mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you see that imagery. Yeah. And it's like okay. Oh yeah speaking of the drums yo if you like the movie get the soundtrack. Yeah. Because like <laughs> the original the soundtrack is ridiculous. It is.
3: Metro booming.
1: Yes. No joke. There's a Spider-Man in there. Oh, yes. Yeah, Metro Boomin. Yeah, that's, I think that's, is there's no way out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My bad, y'all. There was a way out. <laughs> oh, my God. So, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Check out Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Absolutely. Yeah. After you see that. Make your way to Philadelphia on June 30th so that you can be front seat at Punchline to see the sexiest comedian in America, near I say the world. The world. Daryl Charles, ladies and gentlemen, of the DTF Fun Hour, which... Is where he and get- to
3: speak, yeah, just to speak about DTF, the Daryl and Timmy Fun Hour. Uh, we're having our tenth anniversary show on the twenty fourth at Frankie Bradley's. So get uh, out of here! Come for the come for the sex fun uh, game show.
1: Yes, it it, it, it it the DTF Fun Hour is uh, a a podcast now that 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 has fun talking about sexuality, sexual topics in America. Deep serious topics. Like they go they go in. They go in on, on their topics, but they have so much fun. Uh Daryl and Tim Marie both bon- have had their bona fides in comedy, but also in the in the sexual education, education s- right space.
3: Yeah, that's that's, that's Dr. Timmery who has a doctorate in homosexuality. So uh she knows what she's talking about.
1: She does. Uh, but then when I'm they do their live show the live, I don't think you've ever gone to, I've not, I've not been blessed yet. Vincent, it is ridiculous because then they take their show and turn it into a game show. All right. It is so much yeah, fun. Yeah,
3: it's it's highly interactive. We've had plenty of times when people in the audience would just stop us and be like, wait, explain this or ask a question. So yeah, we have fun with it. Uh, you know, we, we talk about sex and gender. Yeah. But um, you know, the conversation goes everywhere because- that is something that is the reason why we're all here. So it, it it jumps into every aspect of life and we're not afraid to talk about it and we have fun and, you know, it's going to be a game show. We're going uh, to have some dancers. We're going to have, it's going to be a good time.
1: Oh, there you Very go. Nice. There you go. June 24th at Frankie Bradley's in Philadelphia, the DTF Fun Hour live. And then you can check Daryl Charles at Punchline Comedy on June 30th live.
3: Yeah, 10 right. July first. My first uh Friday, Saturday in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, let's do it. Show up. Uh I have really good jokes. I have an album, Black Gentrifier. You can listen to it. Nothing I said on the album is gonna be in this uh next uh show.
1: So All right. Okay. Yeah. All right now. And we will put the links in the uh show notes, ladies and gentlemen. We'll even add the links to our website so you can check it out. If you listen to us, you can go by way of the Michelle Mission to Connect with Daryl Charles, comedian Daryl Charles, Daryl, yes, who is a, a a big fan of of our show. Thank you for your devotion and, and a great friend. Thank yes. you so much for joining. Thank us you, Daryl, man.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I again, uh, if you could have saw me cracking up as uh, Len gets so mad at Vince for nailing every uh, six degrees of Durfo Martin, uh, and then all the conversations about uh, the the the. Uh, Whites-only movies that <laughs> Len had to bring up. Uh, yeah, just a good time. I, I wish you gentlemen nothing but the best. Uh, it's a great show, and I'm so happy I'll do it.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you, D-Man. We'll be talking to you, yeah. brother. we gonna let All you right, go. Man. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week and our special guest next week, yeah. The emails may have to wait for another week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... Uh, I invite you to follow the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made, go to Misho to check out all of the uh cool designs that we have by way of clicking swag. Go over to our shop where you can check out all the cool designs and shirts that and, and Durville Martin collection that we have by way of our good friends at T Public. Did you notice that that uh Daryl had on his Derville Martin shirt. When we went to the screening. Oh, I When yeah. we went to the screening. We went to the screening. He was proudly blazing uh, uh, right. Derville Martin. Um, there you go. Uh, so that was very cool. If you like the Michelle Mission, follow the Michelle Mission on all the social medias, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Show Mission. You can also subscribe to the Michelle Mission on YouTube at Show Mission. Help us get our numbers up. We're trying to make our way to um, a thousand subscribers. We're almost there. We're creeping closely. But um, help us get there, ladies and gentlemen. We really appreciate it. We stream every week from the Video Content Factory, Philadelphia's premier podcast palace here in Maniunk, PA. All right. You can also reach the Michelle Mission. You can email us. Mm -hmm. At michellemission at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail. Leave us a voicemail. Like Calvin. So you can't make fun of it. Calvin of us a voicemail. And you can too. 215-867-9666. Did I get that number right? Dylan, there you go. 215-867-9666. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us what's on your mind, ladies and gentlemen. We play the voicemails right here on air. So why don't you do it? I think I see Daryl picking up the phone, even as we speak. I don't think you do. You you just couldn't go with it. I I mean, I'm looking at him. I was making sure I wasn't hallucinating. Oh, no, no. Oh, he did? Oh, he did pick (laughs) up the phone. (laughs) And the Michelle Mission, as always, is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network. The Podglomerate, they make podcasts work. All right. All right. Next week, Vincent. Yes, here on the Michelle Mission. Mm-hmm. We did it. We bury the lead. Yeah, Daryl Charles was also one of our very special guests who took part in the class of 1989 he podcast is. miniseries. He is I talk about Daryl's observation of being a child of hope all the time. You do. Yes, you do. Um, I'm and in season here, and I got to ask that old white woman to go and pee. Uh, the class of nineteen eighty nine. It's available wherever you you get podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and Daryl was very very cool to be a part of yes. that. Another gentleman who was a prominent voice on the class of nineteen eighty nine mm-hmm. will be our guest, making his actual Michaud Mission debut. Yeah, as we welcome noted film critic mm-hmm. Tim Cogshell. Yes, here on the Michelle mission to join us in celebrating the career of the recently departed Jim Brown Mm -hmm. from in 1969's 100 Rifles. Yeah. Yeah. Which he stars alongside the other sex symbol of the sixties because Jim Brown was definitely one of them. Yeah, absolutely. But the other one, was one Raquel Welch. Right, would you would you not say the third big star was one of the sex symbols? Well, was he not a sex symbol he, yet? He, he's not a sex symbol yet. He becomes the sex symbol in the 70s. Sex symbol on the horizon. On the horizon. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. 100, 100 Rifles. Rifles, that's right. As we dip into Vincent's favorite genre, Westerns, next week yeah. here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, He's Vincent, I'm Len, and in Parting We Say. We'll see you when the time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar, music by Alexa Gold, and filmed at the Video Content Factory. The Michel Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.